Just another day. Another day till I hit the movies. I hit the movies, then I talk about them. When I talk about them, that's a movie Tuesday. Blockbusters, I'ma check them out. Audi flicks, I'ma hit them up. You got opinions, and I got opinions. What they got in common, they don't give a fuck. Hello, and welcome to Movie Tuesday. It is the only podcast on the internet that can talk about the latest news, trailers, and conclude it all with spoiler-free discussions, all in the name of movies. And if there is another movies podcast on the internet that can do that, point them out to me so I can kill them. How y'all holding up? Hopefully you and your loved ones are in good health. And if you're not, hopefully y'all can make a speedy recovery. Um, Nothing new on this end. You know, just the usual going to work, going grocery shopping, Coming home and staying home. Although I did have to run some urns recently. I had to go to Home Depot because I had to get a part for my toilet because my toilet was acting up. And then I had to make a detour or another detour over to uh, the cigar bar to restock on some sticks. Because, you know, if I'm going to be sitting at home all day long. I mean, gotta have some stogies to to puff on. You know what I'm saying? Can't can't just be sitting around watching Netflix and playing video games all day. And you know, you gotta gotta do gotta gotta switch it up so it doesn't get mundane. But um, yeah. So main thing had to go to Home Depot because uh, one of my toilets was acting up. Not any like clog or anything. It was just it was constantly running, and uh, I had to replace that thing in there in that one part in the back of the toilet you know that thing where the ball is connected to that like controls the the water level or whatever like that i had to replace that and um it turns out that it was just a little flipper like the main flipper that brings all the water into the bowl to flush but i decided to change out the the whole mechanism anyway just because my sister had told me, my sister who is a uh, plumber, she had told me that the like the way I described it, how water was coming out of it wasn't normal. And she was also just like, you kind of need to, she, or not need to, but she was recommending that I just get rid of the whole ball mechanism because now they have like a mechanism where it isn't a ball. It's, it's like a little tank that fills up to stop the water level from rising. And um, so that, that intrigued me. So I ended up getting it. And uh, I had to install it, which is a pretty big deal for me because I am not a handyman. Um, I can build shit. I can I can craft shit. You know, I can I can put a shelf together from Ikea. I'm really good at that. Make it nice and sturdy. But like when it comes to repairing shit around the house, especially like plumbing and everything like that's that's not my steez. That's not what I do, you know, but I was told that it's fairly easy to do. It's it's doable. And, you know, due to the recent extra time that I have at home, I figured I could like try this little project out and see how it goes. And so far, it's going pretty good. I, I got it done. The The toilet works. It's no longer constantly running. So my water bill will thank me. And, you know, I'm I'm feeling a little frisky now, you know, like, I mean, I'm not going to get crazy or anything and try and rearrange some pipings all around the house or anything like that but i'm just kind of sitting around like i'm waiting for the next toilet to start constantly running so i can just fucking step up and be like ha i know exactly what to do take me to home depot so yeah so that's um that's like the only new thing you know besides watching movies you know what i mean just uh waiting waiting for this whole fiasco to be over still speaking of which let's get on with the show you know, the show, Movie Tuesday, that can be found on Apple Podcasts, Google Play Music, Spotify, SoundCloud, even though it's not currently updated. Um, there's other places, but there's ways for me to name. But I would appreciate it if you have the ability to leave a review or a rating or even a comment. I'd appreciate just a wee little bit of feedback. I don't care if it's positive. I don't care if it's negative. I, I care that it's constructive. If you want to keep it simple, like just be like, hey, good job. You know, that's cool. But I'd appreciate just a little bit of 
detail into whatever it is that you got to say just to just to get a glimpse into what people may be thinking. Because, you know, you can only look at the numbers for so long before you just start to realize or, or question what exactly are they listening to? So. Anywho, um, apologies, as usual, for the names that I mispronounce or forget throughout the course of this episode. The nervous twitches like saying like and um and, you know, clearing my throat, gasping for air, whatever shit like that. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. Ah. <sighs> All right, without further ado, let's go ahead and get into the news. The news! What if I were to tell you that Netflix was more valuable than Disney? Would you believe me? Would you say that was crazy? Would you laugh in my face? Well, you shouldn't do any of those things because over on IGN, they have reported that Netflix is more valuable than Disney. Now you're probably going to say something like, that's impossible because Disney owns so many things. They have Marvel, they have Star Wars, they have the cruise ships, the theme parks, the resorts. There's no possible way that a streaming service like Netflix could be more valuable than Disney. Well, according to the stock market, Netflix is more valuable than Disney. Currently, Netflix is at about $400 $400 a share, which puts their market capitalization at $187 billion. And Disney stock is barely breaking 100. And that's putting their market capitalization at $183 billion. Now, the gap between the two may seem small, but I would like to quote a wise old man who once said at the time when he was a lot younger that, quote, it doesn't matter if you win by an inch or a mile winnings winning end quote and according to the stock market netflix is more valuable than disney since everything has been shut down over at disney you know not just the movie productions but the parks the resorts the cruises all that shit they have been losing 30 million dollars a day 30 million dollars a day okay that's fucking crazy that is a stupid amount of money and and it takes me back to the previous story that i was talking about last week i believe where they were talking about how um bob Iger, the bobs were like foregoing their entire salaries for the year and and cutting their salaries in half and it's like it's it's seen on the surface it seems like a really good gesture and it seems like that could really help out as far as like the employees and shit like that. But then when you find out that they're losing thirty million dollars a day, it's just like, God damn, dude, like that's that's a drop in the bucket that they're giving up to to keep the business afloat. And it just also reinforces how much money that that brand, that that company just brings in, which is fucking nuts to think about. It's crazy. And it's like, I know it's like two different companies here because you go, you have a streaming service going against Disney where it's more like, I mean, even though they have their own streaming service and they've even said that Disney Plus is is still in like the experimental phase, like they're still feeling their way around that they have like several years before that becomes like a profitable venture for them. Right. But um, Disney's mainly an outdoorsy type of brand where they revolve around the parks and the the cruises, the resorts and shit like that. It, it involves going outside and having groups of people feed money into that giant. And it's just crazy to think that this fucking pandemic could just cripple them the way it is. Like you, you feel like Disney would be okay. At least that's how I felt. I'm like, you, you guys will be fine. You shut down your shit. You're fine. You, you bring in stupid amounts of money. You should be able to pay your employees without having to furlough anybody. Right. But then it's like, when you hear about them losing $30 million a day, it's fucking crazy. And this is where I would like to inject some Haman into the discussion because the news of Netflix stock being more valuable than Disney stock is not new to me because I, one of my pastimes is just checking the stock market and Netflix and Disney are two companies that I keep my eye on a lot just because of how high their prices are. And 
since I have been paying attention to them, Netflix has always been more valuable than Disney. Netflix usually was at around maybe three to four hundred dollars a share, whereas like Disney would be just under two hundred. And now Netflix is like far north of four hundred dollars a share. And then Disney is like barely a hundred. And it's crazy to think about that in terms of the two companies. Like I know that it's kind of two different spectrums where it's like one is predicated on indoors activities and then the other is predicated on outdoors activities. But it's still just crazy when you think about how much things that Disney has their hands in, you know, it, it's even got me to the point where I can't even give Netflix shit anymore for how much money that they drop on their content. Cause you know, the whole thing with Netflix is that they're just billions of dollars in debt for like the movies and TV shows that they invest in and shit. But when you think about it, it's like, at least they stay in their realm, you know, even back when they were still giving out discs to people, which I think they still do that. But back when they were still giving out discs to people, it was all like in the realm of movies. You know, they went from giving out discs to streaming and, you know, they went from movies to TV shows. And now they're like starting to purchase theaters and stuff like that. And it's like it's all still in that pocket of movies. Like I haven't heard of Netflix like buying up fucking land and getting all these buildings to build like indoor water parks and resorts and shit like that. You know, I mean, who's to say they they could do that later on, maybe. But so far, it's like they've mainly kept it in the realm of movies where it's like Disney is just crazy how it's like. Where where they start like cartoons? It's like they went from cartoons to movies to theme parks and fucking cruises and resorts and shit like that. And they're all over the world. It's just it's it's crazy just thinking about the shit that they have invested in. It makes you really think who's really careless with their money when they're throwing it around, you know? Because like like I said, at least with Netflix, they're staying in that general realm where it's like. With Disney, it's like, oh, man, we want we want everything. We want fucking airlines. We want cruise ships. We want fucking subway tunnels. We want underwater cities. We want it all. You know, and it's just kind of like it's like I was saying last week where you figured they would have had some kind of emergency fund. You know, I've, I've always been fixated on that ever since Mr. Robot, because in Mr. Robot, there's a scene where one of the evil corporation dudes were talking about how they have an emergency fund for like things like their company getting shut down or just going through legal troubles or some shit. And the fund had like quadrupled what it had started with to what they originally wanted, you know? And I just figured that all companies were like that. And and so far it seems like that's not the case either that or they're just like really stingy with their money. You know, I just, I just find it weird that it's like, cause you know, I figured, like I said, figured company like disney would be all right in this whole thing you know but then it's like nope it's like we've got to furlough some people because we're losing 30 million dollars a day and that we can only (laughs) have that last for so long but yeah it's crazy man now disney did say that at least the executives at disney were saying that you know once the pandemic is clearly over and they start opening their parks and shit back up like they're they're gonna get their value back but like i said before before the pandemic and i'm talking about like way before the pandemic was a thing way before the shutdowns disney was always under netflix as far as stock goes now i don't know what like net worth is like i don't know i don't know too much about business to get into those we're talking about stocks here all right and all i'm saying is is that i don't think opening up your parks and shit again and your resource and everything is going to help you shoot past netflix like you think it's going to You know, I know they got the whole Disney Plus thing with their 50 million subscribers, which quite honestly, it's like, is that how many people have signed up for Disney Plus or is that how many people still have Disney Plus? Because I, for one, don't have Disney Plus anymore. Like I had to make some sacrifices, you know, due to hanging on to some funds. okay? and Disney Plus was one of the first things on the chopping block. Netflix, on the other hand, still got Netflix. You can't get rid of Netflix. That's that's that that is an essential piece of entertainment that I need even after this whole pandemic thing is over with. And I guess what I'm trying to say at the end of the day with this whole story is that maybe I need to back off a little bit (laughs) on Netflix because, you know, I, you know, I'm one of those people. I still believe that you shouldn't give them too much power. I mean, cause you know, they, they got lucky with the whole pandemic thing where it's like their numbers are just jumping now, whereas even more people, 
getting into Netflix, seeing as how they're they're stuck at home and shit like that. But they at least have some competition to give them a run for their money to where they don't they can't just sit back in and rest on their laurels. They got to stay on their toes. But need just back off a little bit, because what I what I do admire about Netflix, besides the the content that they provide is this has opened my eyes to exactly how they've been managing their money that they've been raking in. Whereas like you look at Disney and it's just like, I don't know, man, it's just, it's, it's just weird. It's weird to just see like how much they're struggling right now. You just, you never would have thought in a million years that they could be so careless. And I, I know this is something that you can't really predict or see coming. Like even if they did have an emergency fund, like who's to say that they probably still wouldn't be in this situation. Maybe they did have an emergency fund. They've already like expended everything, you know, who knows, but I don't know. I'm just saying, I think I need to lay off Netflix a little bit because, you know, they, they even got to the point where they were starting a uh, a relief fund to get movie theaters or just the movie industry back on its feet to where this was like maybe a month ago that I had read about this. But they had started some kind of relief fund to where they were at least going to try and help out a lot of a lot of like crews on movie sets you know like the lighting guys and the foley guys you know the ones that get paid like shit they were like starting some kind of relief fund to help them out because i know that nolan is trying to lead the charge and and bringing movie theaters back up to snuff once things start opening up again but i think netflix is trying to help out the people behind the camera and behind the scenes and stuff that kind of keep things afloat as far as like a movie production goes. So I, I thought that was a pretty, pretty admirable of them. You know, I know Disney's probably doing something too, you know, but still it's just like when talking about Netflix here, where it's like, maybe I was a little too harsh on you guys. Like I said, this, this whole pandemic thing, like one, one of the silver linings of it is that it's going to like expose a lot of things. It's going to bring a lot of things to light and some of it's going to be negative, but there's going to be some positives as well. Definitely, I think people are definitely going to start opening their eyes to a lot of things on how a lot of things work in this world, not just this country, but like this world, period. Any Hooter, that went on a lot longer than I wanted it to. So let's move on to the next bit of news and try and fly through that as quick as we can. Last week, I was talking about how AMC theaters was pretty much on the verge of just declaring bankruptcy due to their theaters being shut down for so long. Like whenever theaters get reopened, which so far the, the date is June, unless that gets pushed back a little further. Um, a lot of analysts and, and shit are saying that AMC might not make it to June. But, um, I was wondering since, you know, AMC is like the biggest theater chain. If, if they're going through that on the verge of bankruptcy, how are the other theaters doing? How are the smaller chains doing? And I got my question answered with a little bit of research. Um, once they got shut down in the early stages of the shutdown, a lot of them were offering like curbside pickups for their popcorn and just all kind of other shit from their concession stands, which I mean, you know, that's better than nothing. Give people that theater experience in the comfort of their own home and stuff. Give them a, Give them a little piece of what they're missing, I guess. But uh, and I, I guess that's better than going to Target or Walmart, quite honestly, you know. But uh, anyway, a lot of them were doing that. I don't know if they're still doing it because I haven't heard much about it since. But um, Alamo Draft House over in Houston had started some program called Alamo at Home. And they have like $12 movie rentals for just, I don't know if it's like indie movies. I think, I think it said it was indie movies and, uh, you know, just $12 rentals and you can enjoy movies at your home under the Alamo brand. And that's able to help out like the theater chains and stuff like that. So I thought that was uh pretty intuitive of them. Cause you know, I wouldn't expect every theater to just come out with their own streaming service, like at the drop of a hat, you know what I mean? I mean, I'm, I'm sure that's probably what they'll be thinking about now after this whole thing goes over. But I thought that was pretty interesting that they did that. Everyone else, as far as like Marcus and Cinemark and Harkins are focusing on opening back up like they're more paying attention to 
what to do once doors get back opened. And that just falls in line to what I was saying last week to where I wouldn't expect theaters to just open back up when they get the green light to open their doors and just continue business as usual. I I would assume that I had assumed that they would have to go through some precautions to be like, okay, you're going to have to fill up like half your theater instead of like all the seats. And you're going to have to like spread people out far enough to where they don't have to worry about risk of infection or cross contamination or some shit like that, you know? And, um, so yeah, that seems to be what their focus is. Uh, I think the people over at Marcus were saying that they're, they're calling it a contact contactless entertainment. So they're basically just like, you know, we're in a, we're in the age now where you don't really need to have physical contact to go and enjoy a movie at the theater. You know, they have card readers that you can slip your car in and out of, um, the people, you know, like to, cause a lot, not a lot of people use cash anymore, but I'm assuming if someone did use cash, I'm, I'm sure that gloves will be involved. Um, they're already in those little booths with the glass in front of them and shit. So you don't have to worry about putting any like sneeze guards in front of people or anything like that. Uh, I think like the biggest risk as far as like contamination or cross contamination is just when you're at the concession stand buying shit. But their whole thing is contactless entertainment to where using your card to pay for shit. Um, you know, the, having digital tickets instead of like giving out actual tickets to have somebody like rip and point you to the direction and shit like that. They're, they're talking about like getting rid of that stuff. And then the thing of not filling up the entire theater, but at least doing like half capacity and spacing people out far enough for social distancing. Obviously they would let families sit together, but then like you have to kind of like compensate as far as how far to sit away from that group of people and stuff like that. So that's what they've been focusing on. Um, Cinemark had said something that I thought was pretty cool, which was because, because one of the things that a lot that I've been hearing a lot about as far as like restaurants and theaters and shit like that is that their companies are set around their companies are based on having or being at full capacity to get like some kind of profit to keep the lights on and the doors open and there's a lot of people that are saying filling half capacity is not going to be profitable for them. It's, their their company is not going to be able to survive that. Whereas Cinemark was saying they'll be just fine at half capacity because they were saying that before the whole outbreak had happened, they were able to be profitable in peak periods of time when they were. And at that point, they were like 20 to 30 percent full of at capacity. So, um that's good news to hear from them where it's just like, Hey man, if we got to cut shit in half. We got to cut shit in half. Like we're, we're sure that we'll be profitable in the long run. Um, right now, like I said, analysts are saying that anywhere from like June to July is when theaters are planning to reopen, which makes sense because I think July and August is when a lot of movies have been pushed back to, you know, for the movies that have been delayed and then just the rest of the movies coming out for the rest of the year. So opening back up around June or July gives the theaters enough time to kind of build up to the new releases. So I'm assuming that they're probably going to do something along the lines of what China was trying to do, where they're going to probably show a bunch of old movies or just some blockbusters from maybe last year or something like that to get people back into the groove of going to the theater and feeling comfortable sitting in a, an enclosed area with other people to enjoy some, some entertainment and stuff like that. So it seems like that's what they're going to do, but that's still kind of just a, a hypothesis seeing as how I don't think, uh, seeing even today, I don't think theaters have still gotten to go ahead. I know that they're starting to get into the motions of starting their phases of reopening a lot of places up again, but I don't, I think movie theaters are pretty far down the list so far, but what we'll just have to wait and see. Now, the reason why I want to talk about this is because I wanted to kind of clarify what I said last week, where right now as things stand, I think I'm done with going to the theaters for the rest of the year. And it's not just the whole, like possibly sitting next to somebody who's got a cold or the flu or COVID or anything like that. It's not just that 
is just the whole idea of all the fucking regulations that you got to go through just to watch a movie now, you know, because if they're going to go through with the whole like, all right, our doors are back open, but we can't fill a theater up like we used to. So reservations are going to be key at this point, you know, just imagine like me personally, I imagine every movie, no matter like how small, no matter how obscure it is, I imagine every movie just being like an MCU or Star Wars event to where it's just going to be a fuck ton of people standing around waiting to buy their ticket. It already takes a large amount of time to get a ticket to go to theater. Imagine when it's to the point where you can only fill a theater up halfway. So imagine going to watch a movie and you want to see it at seven, but it's like, up oh, seven's all booked. You're going to have to wait until fucking 10, like 10 is the nearest because everything else is booked after seven as well. So the only opening I got is 10 o'clock. So it's like, you got a three hour difference now to where you just want to go and see a movie. And now you got to wait around for like three hours and shit. And it's like, I don't feel like dealing with all that. And then it's going to be even worse when you get inside. Cause then you got the concession stands and you got to think that, they're going to have the the whole like little X's on the floor where it's like, oh, this is six feet apart. So make sure you stand on this X. And, you know, you got to deal with that whole situation. And, you know, it's just it's a lot, man. And I'm just I'm I'm, I'm in the mindset right now that maybe I'm just done going to the theaters for the rest of the year. I'll just wait till next year and hope that things start to get back to somewhat normal, you know, and then I'll make my triumphant return back to the theater but until then i think i'm just gonna keep my ass at home and just wait for shit to come out on digital and rent it and watch it as long as it's for a a fair price and i I don't think we need to get into that whole spiel again but that's that's what i wanted to just really get at is like that's why i think i'm done for the rest of the year like i said it could change i could change my mind you know we'll see how it goes but i'm just saying right now currently I'm in the mindset of I think I'm done going to the theaters for the rest of the year, especially if they do what Jason or Steve Blum is it Steve Blum or Jason Blum. It's Steve Blum, especially if they do what Blum of Blumhouse was saying, where they're probably going to shorten that whole gap between when a, a movie leaves a the theater and goes to video or digital. Like if, if that gap is going to get even smaller, then I'm definitely down to wait like a month or two for black widow to just come out on digital and I rent it and watch it then instead of just like having to go to the theater and it's like a goddamn concentration camp or some, or some fucking prison yard where it's just like, all right, next up, get your ticket, move on, keep going. Okay. But what about my popcorn? Fuck the popcorn. So yeah, I'm not, uh, I'm not looking forward to that. So I think I'm just going to do, the logical thing and just stay at home. Hopefully not everybody's going to think that way. I don't think they are. You know how I am. I'm very extreme with a lot of shit when it comes to like interacting with people anyway. So I'm, I'm sure that the more free spirited people are going to make up for, for mine and other people's shortcomings for just staying at home and waiting for everything to die out. So, so I say to you beta testers, thank you for your service as usual. <laughs> And that, my friends, brings us to the last bit of news by way of Collider. What started off as mere chit chat has now turned into full blown confirmation. Sam Raimi is your new director for Doctor Strange 2, officially known as Doctor Strange into the Multiverse of Madness. I am 99.9% sure that is the official title of the movie, but. Scott Derrickson's out. Sam Raimi's in. Scott Derrickson, who was the director and writer for the first Doctor Strange movie, had walked away from this project due to anyone want to take a quick guess. If you said creative differences, you can pick your cookies up at the exit. Do not worry. They have been heavily sanitized and they are completely edible to eat. Might taste a little jank, though. Just saying. Um, yeah, man, creative differences is what led Scott Derrickson to walk away from the project and Sam Raimi took the reins. Um, funny note, by the way, is that in a Spider-Man movie that Sam Raimi did Spider-Man two, to be exact, there is a doctor strange reference. It was back when 
the it was back when Dr. Octopus or Otto Octavius at the time first started going on the rampage and making the papers. And Jay Jonah and everyone was kind of sitting around the office trying to figure out a name for uh, for uh, Octavius. And someone that shot out Dr. Strange, I can't remember who it was, but Jay Jonah responded by saying it's taken. And I always remember that little funny that they added in there and they ended up bringing this up in the interview. And I guess they kind of uh, alluded to like maybe this that was like a sign or maybe that was one of the reasons why Raimi had got the job. But he was saying that it's just a pure coincidence because and the reason why he put it in there is that Dr. Strange is one of his favorite superheroes. Like I think he said he put Spider-Man and Batman above him, but he's definitely in like his top five superheroes, which I thought was interesting. Um, Here's the thing. Not too late for him to walk away from this project as well. Maybe he wants to avoid another Spider-Man 3 situation. Or it's more likely that he'll just roll with the punches like he did with Spider-Man, seeing as how he said that Doctor Strange was in his top five favorite superheroes. So maybe it's a maybe it could be like a Spider-Man situation where if enough things hit the chopping block or if he gets blocked too much in the process of making this movie, he'll most likely just roll with the punches because, you know, he has so much respect for the character that maybe he just wants that under his resume or like under his personal resume to be like, you know, it's just I made two movies with my favorite superheroes, you know, so maybe it's something along those lines. Other than that, cool. I like Raimi. Um, I still need to see a trailer, honestly, uh, as it stands right now, the only MCU movies that I'm down to go and see without a trailer are Guardians of the Galaxy, Black Widow, Black Panther, and, uh, Spider-Man. That's about it. Everything else, I'm, uh, from what I can think of right now, I'm going to need a trailer. And uh, Doctor Strange is one of those. The one good thing that comes from this, though, with uh, with Raimi attached to direct is that hopefully he'll be able to inject some supernatural horror elements into the movie, which is something that was promised in the first movie that did not happen. At least from my perspective, it didn't because I was told or I had read that the first Doctor Strange movie was borderline going to be like a horror movie or some shit. And I didn't get any horror vibes from that movie. So with Raimi attached to this one, I think we're definitely going to get that. And the sweet spot about Raimi is that he's able to kind of mesh uh, a more horror, like a campy horror type of tone to his movies, along with the, the MCU humor that that brand is known for. So it's actually like, a really good mix for them if they're going to go about it in that direction. Back when Raimi was just in talks with Disney slash Marvel to direct a new Doctor Strange movie, one of the things that flashed in my head that I thought would be really cool is that what if Tobey Maguire was in it, but not just him being in it. What if he was in it as Raimi Spider-Man? Because, you know, seeing as how it's it's into the multiverse of madness or whatever like that. You got to assume that there's going to be some type of scene where Strange and and Scarlet Witch are kind of like just walking through different uh, dimensions and shit like that. Kind of similar to I think it was volume two of Guardians when they were going through those different wormholes and they kept going past different points of time or some shit like that. You got to assume that that's going to be a thing in a Doctor Strange movie. And how cool would it be for them to just kind of go into New York and you just see Tobey Maguire's Spider-Man swing by real quick or something or take his mask off and try and eat a sandwich or some shit like that'd be fucking dope. And then I went even further and thought to myself, wouldn't it be cool if not only he had Tobey Maguire as Spider-Man again, but it was like a scene that Raimi wanted to do in the in his version of Spider-Man three. Like, how dope would that be? Like, maybe he'd be like fighting Vulture or something like that, because that was a thing with uh, Spider-Man three is that um, or actually, no, I think it was Spider-Man four. I think it was Spider-Man four where Raimi wanted to uh, bring the Vulture in. But um, either way, that'd be cool if they ever do something like that. It's actually a lot, but, you know, I feel like Sony would be down for it, especially since they were poking fun at themselves for Into the Spider-Verse. So, like, 
wouldn't it be cool to have Raimi just put like a little scene in there and be like, this is the scene that I actually want to do for Spider-Man four or some shit like that. So yeah. Anywho, let's get to the trailers. I got a little something, something planned for this week. Something to shock the system. What does a gold medal sprinter and a semi truck have in common? Trailers. I haven't seen any new trailers for upcoming movies, but I did see a trailer that I want to talk about. And I hope that this can be a warning for those out there so that they don't fall for the same trick that I fell for. Cause it was one of those times where I watched the trailer and I immediately wanted to watch the movie and the movie ended up being such a letdown that I was just like, I have to warn people. I, I have to tell them if I can save one person time from making the same mistake that I did. I mean, I, I feel like I've done my part in this world. That movie is called The Platform. It's on Netflix. I think it's even a Netflix original film. And it's it takes place in, uh, I don't know if it's a tower I don't know if it's underground, but there's like a fuck ton of levels. I'm talking hundreds of levels, right? And it's like a prison. Every level has two people. So imagine like a a, a prison cell with with no bars, no doors, no windows. It's just like four, four concrete walls, concrete floor, concrete ceiling. Two people got a bed and you got a sink to wash up in. And in the center of the room is a big ass fucking square hole. (laughs) And uh, this platform goes down level by level. And I think it's every day. And it's just packed to the gills with food. And so what happens is, is that there's this this platform that goes level to level, just filled with food. And it goes from level one all the way down to the very bottom and it shoots right back up. And you know, the next day it happens again. So obviously the people in like the upper levels get like their picks, you know, like the, the platforms all set up, everything's all neat and shit like that. So they're able to just kind of have their pick of whatever food that they want. And then as the, as it works its way down, you know, you're getting down to lower levels. There's like less and less food. The The platform is like more disheveled and shit. Like there's all kind of like plates and broken glass and shit everywhere and everything like that. So obviously the people on the lower levels, it gets to the point where everyone on the upper levels are so savage with getting the food and shit that by the time it gets down to the lower levels, there usually isn't any food left, which results to people like just going crazy, you know what I mean? And being like all feral and hostile and shit like that. And the movie is just about this place and like this dude who's in there and he talks to like different inmates and shit because I think like every month the inmates get randomly shifted to another level. So like one day they could be on like level four, just living like a bunch of fucking Kings and shit, having their pick of whatever food that they want. And then the next month they could be on like level 6,000 to where it's just like, well, (laughs) I guess I'm just going to have to fucking eat my arm. You know what I mean? Like just shit like that. Like it's, it's fucking crazy. Right. So like I'm looking at this in a trailer and it's really interesting. It looks really good. And I'm like, God damn, I gotta, I gotta see what this is all about, man. I want to know where they're at. I want to know what the fucking platform is all about. I want to know why this is happening to them. Is this some kind of new like jail or whatever like that or some shit? Here's the thing. You're watching a movie and has a really nice progression. It's, it's kind of like answering some questions here and there. You're, you're getting to know some of the characters and shit like that. But it's one of those movies where it has a really good buildup and it's like very philosophical and shit um, has a nice little commentary, even like in the current state of affairs that's going on now where you got people like hoard shopping to where it ain't no fucking toilet paper and, and eggs and shit. All that shit's really dope in this movie, like it gets covered, but it's one of those movies where it just builds and builds and builds and then it just ends and it ends with no payoff whatsoever okay 
And I'm just here to tell you right now, if you fall for the same trick that I did where you're just like scrolling through Netflix trying to find some shit to watch and you come across the platform and you look at the trailer and you're like, oh, man, that looks real interesting. I need to check that out. I'm telling you right now, don't fucking do it. Okay, if you're one of those people where you're like you need a you need a destination like you need a destination to mean something if you're one of those people do not watch this fucking movie if you're one of those people where it's all about where you're like it's all about the journey man it's not about the destination it's about the journey you know like we already know where we're going man but the journey is what's unknown like if you're one of those people knock yourself out have at it i'm not one of those people I need a journey and I need a destination. Okay. <laughs> so, and, and I didn't get those in this movie. So quite honestly, you can take this as part of the spoiler free discussion. As far as I'm concerned, you can either take it as a trailer or a spoiler free discussion. Knock yourself out. All I'm telling you right now though, is that if you're one of those people where you need a journey along with the destination, like if you want a satisfying ending, do not watch the platform. Okay. It sucks to say that, but do not watch the platform. It ain't worth it. I know that it's Netflix and you're paying for it and you're like, well, it's here. Like, what do I have to lose? You know, it's already paid for. It's not because you got to make an extra payment of your time. And me personally, I wanted my time back. OK, and I know I'm not going to get it back, but that's how I felt when the movie was over. And it's only like an hour and 30 something minutes you know, which doesn't seem like a lot, but I still am that petty enough to where I'm like, you know what? Fuck that shit. I want my hour and 30 minutes back because that was some fucking bullshit. So this is your warning. Okay. Now don't, don't go and watch that movie and get disappointed and come back to me and be like, you, you, you didn't, you didn't worry me. Like, don't, don't do it. Don't do it. And if, and if you go and watch it and you did like it, dude, Come on and let me know and explain to me what the fuck happened in that movie. You know, explain explain to me because it's definitely one of those movies where I feel like it requires multiple viewings to really like comprehend what's going on. But here's the thing: I ain't interested in watching that movie again. Okay, is 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 as artistic as I am, you know, and I love like the little like undertones and little subliminal messages and shit like that, and putting the little puzzles together. As much as I love that shit. Like, I don't feel like it. There's too much shit and I got too much time to spend on other things that I find interesting. So there you go, guys. Stay away from the platform on Netflix. When you say that there's a twist in the movie, you're not spoiling the movie. You're just spoiling the fact that there's a twist in the movie because the whole point of the twist is that you don't see the twist coming. So if you say there's a twist, you're going into the movie looking for a twist. This week's movie is Underwater. I apologize for that. As much as I tried, it just wouldn't bite. <coughs> Starring Kristen Stewart, John Gallagher Jr., T.J. Miller, and Jessica Henwick. When an earthquake turns a deep-sea drilling facility into a collapsing death trap, a group of survivors have to drop their linen and start their swimming to get out alive. Unfortunately, they're seven miles below sea level, so they gotta contend with the usual, like, suit integrity due to water pressure, air supply, hostile sea life that stalks them at every turn, stuff like that. So this is one of those movies where I didn't really see a trailer for it. I just saw snippets of trailers enough to know that it was a, a horror movie that took place underwater starring Kristen Stewart. So just with the lead alone, I was like, this is going to be a cheesy ass horror movie, right? And And I just wanted to see it just to like make fun of it, just to go in and just laugh at the asinine shit that would happen in the movie, you know, something along the lines of like hurricane heights, right? Like that was what I was expecting. And, um, at the time when it first came out, cause I think it came out in like January. Um, that was when my family was in town. And although they were down to go to the movies, they were not down to see this movie because they actually saw trailers for it and they didn't want to waste their money going to see a movie that clearly looked like it was going to be garbage. OK, me, on the other hand, I was all for it, but I didn't want to, like, be a douche and like split from them. So I just decided to sacrifice my going to the movies and was like, I'll just wait till it comes out on on video or digital or something. So lo and behold, not only does the movie come out digitally, but they want 
like $6 for the rental. So, you know, your boy had to jump on it. Okay. And, um, you know what? Honestly, not too shab, not too shab of a movie. If I do say so myself, and I think it's because of how much it took me by surprise and how I went in with such low expectations, just expecting like some cheesy ass horror movie. And to my surprise, it was actually like a solid horror thriller movie. And, um, you know, I was I was shocked. You know, what I mean, um, best way to describe it is um, it's like that movie Life with Ryan Reynolds. But instead of them being in space, they're underwater, which I mean, when you think about it, it's kind of generally the same thing. You're you're dealing with the same stuff for the most part. I mean, air supply, suit integrity, you know, your fucking visor cracking and shit like that. Uh, I think like the main difference is that. I don't know. I mean, I've never I, I think that's another thing, too, when it comes to like underwater and space shit is that underwater shit is a little more relatable because pretty much everybody's been underwater. So everyone has a general idea of how that shit works, whereas like space, it's a toss up. You know, what I mean, it's like there's some people that say, oh, it's super cold in space. You know, you fucking expose your skin, it'll freeze instantly. And there's other people that are like, oh, it's just it's nothing. You know, fucking you can leave your hand out there for a little bit and you'll be fine. It'll be all right. You know what I'm saying? It like kind of goes back and forth. So maybe that's what the appeal is or what I find so much more appealing with underwater shit than I do space shit. But I digress. Um, One of the things that took me by surprise, though, with the movie was the fact that there were smart characters or at the very least the characters seem more organic. You know, it's not that usual pet peeve that I have with horror movies where like people just do dumb shit just to progress a plot or just to like get a scene going for suspense or something like that. Like there were actual logical decisions being made in a movie. So like, I don't know. There, there was just a lot of times in a movie where characters will react to certain situations where I was just like, yeah, that's that's probably what I do. I probably do that, you know, and that's what I look for in these types of movies is like I, I, I expect I want people to react the way I think I would react, you know, like if there's a fucking monster chasing me. I, I feel like the first thing I'm going to do is grab a weapon, even if it's like not an actual weapon, like just, I don't know, grab a paintbrush and break it. So it's like sharp on one end or some shit. Like, I feel like I do that. And that was what they were doing in this movie. So. I really appreciate that. And that's all I really ask for when it comes to these type of like horror thriller type movies, especially when you're dealing with like scientists and researchers and, and, and mechanical engineers and shit like that, you know, where you're in these environments where it's just like, you guys are seven miles below sea level digging into earth and shit. So I feel like there's gotta be some amount of intelligence in you to react a certain way in, in hostile situations, you know? And uh, that was uh, what I felt happened in this movie most of the time. So I think like that was one of the things I appreciated the most about it. Um, And that's just character wise, you know, performance wise, you know, could have been a little better, man. I was like, it's some most of the time it just felt a little dry when it came to like dialogue and and characters interacting with each other and shit, you know, Um, John Gallagher Jr., I felt was underutilized in this movie. I feel like he's a, a a way better actor than a lot of people give him credit for. And it doesn't really show that much in this movie. Not that he had a bad performance. I feel like it's just one of those situations where he's just worked with what he had. It's just that they didn't give him enough to really go off on and like let his freak flag fly, you know? Um, TJ Miller is the life of the party. And I feel like without him, this movie would not have been as tolerable as it was. Honestly, Kristen Stewart is Kristen Stewart. And, you know, remember when I said that this movie is pretty much life, but underwater instead of space, I have a hunch that this movie was probably made around the same time. The movie life was, and they probably were scared that the movies were so similar And since life had already like gone out into theaters, they probably decided to hold off on releasing underwater or it could have been the fact that um, I don't know exactly when the whole Fox merger thing was beginning to happen because this is a 20th Century Fox movie 
And um, it could also have been shelved during the whole like buyout from Disney. But something about this movie just feels old because Kristen Stewart is Kristen Stewart. And even though I haven't seen the Charlie's Angels movie yet, remembering that movie, I was like so enamored by how lively she looked in there to the point where I was like, okay, maybe she's finally figured out how to actually deliver a solid performance to where it looks like she wants to be there. But this movie underwater is like old school Kristen Stewart with their deadpan face and personality from start to finish. Okay. And it sucks because she is opposite Vincent Cassell, who is a pretty good actor from the, from the other movies that I've seen him in. And the fact that, the chemistry between those two is so awkward and and doesn't sell me on it in the slightest is really bad. And I'm down to just put all that pressure onto Stewart because it just it she doesn't help with her performance, okay? Um yeah, it's it's like it's really hard to describe cuz basically, you know, you're dealing with a a deep sea drilling facility. You got the survivors in the facility and even though they're all like in different sections so like there may be some characters who've never seen each other before but there are definitely characters who have seen and interacted with each other before and and have somewhat of a camaraderie and it's really hard to sell the camaraderie between them due to performances from Stewart. Okay, if that makes any sense. So one of the thing one of the people that she's like really close with is the captain. And they're doing this thing with each other where I couldn't really tell if it was like a father daughter type of chemistry between them or if it was like an awkward, you know, we we fucked one day on a, on a drunken night type of chemistry. You know, that was that was how awkward it was and how hard it was to tell, like where they were both coming from with their performances. And like I said, I'm down to put all that blame on Stewart just based off of her resume over the years and and the numerous movies I've seen with her in them and the numerous movies I've seen with Vincent Cassell. Now, I know that seems harsh, but it just goes even further with the other gripes that I have with the movie sticking with the dialogue section where it's like the chemistry, the awkward chemistry between Stewart and Cassell doesn't stop it's with the rest of the cast as well. Cause like I said, when you're in this underwater facility with all these researchers and technicians and, and engineers and shit. So you don't expect all of them to be familiar with each other with a big ass facility. There's going to be some people that meet for the first time, but there are definitely characters in the group that are familiar with each other. They know each other, but you wouldn't really notice it just the way that the dialogue is delivered between the two. But that's just dialogue wise. Performance wise, it's a little better, you know, but like in the in the in the subject of Cassell and Stewart, it's more Stewart's lack of performance caliber than it is just dialogue. Dialogue just makes her performance even worse, whereas like the other cast, good, good performances, but horrible dialogue between each other, you know, with the back and forth between each other, with the exception of T.J. Miller, because remember, like I said earlier, T.J. Miller is the life of the party. He's the life of the party because he's the jokester of the group. Like the part was definitely written for him, but it fits him well. It's like he's the jokester. He's the one that's trying to like lighten the mood during all this serious shit. He's he's the audience that talks where it's like, you know, one person wants to inspect a fucking unknown species that they've never seen before. And T.J. Miller's the one like, why are you doing that? What? Why? This, this is not the time for that shit. You know what I mean? Like he's that guy. And that's what makes him so likable in this movie for me. Everyone else, the dialogue is really like stale and, and mumbly, you know, really lacks any type of emotion. Like even for characters that are romantically involved, it's like you wouldn't really know they were romantically involved until you actually heard the character say, Oh no, like that's, that's my guy. Like he's, that's mine. You know what I mean? Where it's like performance wise, it just seems kind of awkward between them. Like, like they're, like they're meeting each other for the first time or some shit. The chemistry is off is, is all another thing that was really like pulling at me 
was the sense of urgency. It was uh, it was very wonky and bipolar just because, you know, for example, it's a, it, it takes place deep underwater. So you have the usual dangers like air pressure, suit integrity, visors cracking, um, uh, air supply, shit like that. You know, they make this big whoop about it. But then there's scenes in the movie that kind of like defied the laws that were set where it's like somebody could get hit by a big ass piece of debris and their suits fucked up to the point where they got to be left behind because they don't have enough air to make the trip. But then like later on in the movie, another character could get hit by the same piece of debris or the same size of debris that that hit the earlier person. And they're just fine. Everything's good. The suit's still operational. Air is just fine. You know what I mean? You got uh, fucking alarms going off. Talking about, oh, yeah, air supply is critical. Air supply is critical. But, you know, people are still just standing around, staring at each other, trying to have full-blown conversations and getting to know each other. And, you know, it's just like I, I thought the air supply was critical. I, I thought we were going to be huffing toxins and shit if we ran out of air. Like, why is this person still just going like normal? Like, why is this person still alive? You know what I'm saying? So it's just, I understand plot armor, but this goes back to the things of like having realistic characters where it's like having them react to a situation realistically and not having them be a bunch of idiots just to progress a plot. Same thing needs to apply to the the sense of urgency when you're underwater and it's like all right man we got fucking hostile sea creatures that are literally hunting us and chasing us every moment you know but but we're still gonna stand around we're still gonna walk like a bunch of snails to get to the next facility so we can get the fuck out of here we're not gonna move like something's been chasing us this entire movie you know it's just stuff like that that was breaking my immersion at times and just really pulling me out of the movie, you know, but all in all, man, it's, um, it's good. It's, it's a solid movie. I thought, I thought it was okay. There's just something about under like deep underwater that I just find really interesting, you know? And I think it just has to do with like the things like air pressure and shit like that, you know, motherfuckers imploding and everything. So, um, and speaking of imploding, this movie was actually pretty graphic, you know, which I wasn't expecting that either. Like, it's not like full on gore, but they show you like just enough to get the imagination going. And then like they kind of fill in the rest of the blanks with like, you know, little chunks and pieces flying around where it's like it's just one of those things where it's like they did the whole like less is more. You know, unfortunately, they couldn't do the same thing with the uh, with the sea creatures. You know, where it's like, because one of the things I liked about the movie, too, was how dark it was. Like, at first, I was kind of like iffy on that. But then it was like, when you really think about it, deep underwater like that, that's one of the most terrifying things about it is that it is pitch black. So you don't know what the fuck is going on down there. So I thought that was cool how they were able to kind of keep the I mean, they, they give you enough light to where you can see what's going on still. So you can see the movie. But it had like this kind of dark visual to it that really went with the general aesthetic of the movie and um that helped with the sea creatures because it's one of those things where they're not terrifying but it is just kind of your your mind starts to race when you see like a piece of them crawling around underwater around the survivors and it's like your imagination starts running to fill in the blanks of what you couldn't see you know and that works out great until you get to the end of the movie where you full on see the creature and then it's almost like they're not as scary anymore it's it's like borderline video game at this point you know that problem happens to a lot of movies but like i said slowly we're progressing in the right direction where you know we're starting to make characters a little more believable in hostile situations making logical decisions that that feel more believable than just making them complete idiots to progress now we just got to work on the whole less is more thing where it's like we don't always need to full on show the goddamn monster okay let's just fucking keep them in the dark Let's keep them like keep a thin veil of darkness shrouded on them so we can get the imaginations going, you know, and then we also got to keep 
the consistency. We got to work on that with keeping the consistency of the sense of danger where it's like, hey, when your visor's cracked, your shit's going to fucking burst. Okay, and if the air pressure ain't right, you're going to fucking implode. Right. We got to just stick to those laws that we've been establishing. We got to keep it consistent. But yeah, other than that, it's a decent movie, man. Pretty decent. Uh, better than what I was expecting. Story's fine. Just, you know, the typical unknown waters thing. You know, you go deep enough underwater. No one's ever really explored it. So we don't necessarily know what the fuck's down there. So, like, let's just have at it with the imagination, you know. Um, I liked how even though it is underwater and then you got, like, these big-ass underwater facilities that are drilling deep down in the earth it's still not like full on sci-fi. It's like just enough sci-fi to where, you know, it's it's not it's not like overbearingly sci-fi. There's just it's just a smidge of sci-fi to keep it in somewhat of a realistic perspective. So I thought that was cool. But um, yeah, man. Other than that, it's okay. Once again, it's okay movie. Uh not worth the rent. Uh, I I am happy that I did not go to the theaters to see this. Had I went to the theaters and spent like 20 something bucks, it would have been a different story, I think. But um, or actually, no, I, I probably would have even still said that this was something that you could watch on cable or some streaming service. That's what type of movie I think this is. Um, I don't regret renting it because like I've like I've been saying for a while now. Like it was, it was like six bucks to rent $6. I think is a reasonable price to, uh, to, to feed my curiosity. Whereas like, had this been $20, we wouldn't even been having this situation or we wouldn't even been having this conversation. Okay. I wouldn't have spent $20 to rent this movie. And that was, and, and I would have felt that way before I had seen it, you know, but, um, I will say that it is definitely worth a, uh, a watch on cable or stream. So if you were just like kind of channel surfing and you saw this, I would say, check it out, give it a little whirl, you know, just, just be ready for Kristen Stewart with her stale acting to, uh, take a hold of you for like a hour 30. There's just something about Kristen Stewart, man. She's just, she's not a good actress, you know, cause I was going to compare her and say that she was like similar to Elizabeth Moss. But the thing about Elizabeth Moss is, Yes, she does play roles that are like catered to her acting prowess, but I would still consider Elizabeth Moss to be a good actor. Whereas like, I can't say the same for Kristen Stewart. Like every now and then she does get a role that kind of like suits her personality, like with Twilight and shit. But for the most part, she's she always has that same energy in all the movies that I've seen her in dating back as far as like fucking panic room, dude. It's just that same deadpan performance that she always gives. And I don't know what the deal is. Now, if there's some kind of condition that she has to where she's always like that, I'm sorry, but I'm just saying, I just, I don't understand what the appeal is for people to keep shoving her in these movies and not just putting her into movies, but actually like making her the, the lead of the movies, like putting the movie on her back and expecting her to carry it from start to finish. I don't get what the appeal is. I don't understand if it was like a supporting role that she kept on getting, but like top billing is what she's usually getting. And I don't get it. Like Jessica Henwick in this movie I felt like would have made a better protagonist, even though she has like a cliche story through the movie. I still feel like she would have made a better lead in this movie than Christina or than uh, Kristen Stewart. Any Hooter that went on a lot longer than I expected. So let's just go ahead and end it right here because I I really don't have anything else to say, but I can always find something more. So that's it, man. Questions, suggestions challenges throw them my way at movie tuesday on instagram and twitter movie tuesday at gmail.com if you want a, a less public setting to to chat um yeah and like cuomo would say be kind be intelligent uh i would here's my recommendation too 
if uh if you're out and about you know if you're grocery shopping or getting a fucking burger from mcdonald's if you get some good service dude like if you think things went smoothly as they could for the state that we're in just show the workers some appreciation you know like verbally i'm sure people appreciate the work that they're doing you know but like just verbally let them know hey man you're doing a good job don't let anybody tell you different okay that you may not believe it but that shit could go a long way somebody could be having the shittiest day and that could just help them out all right because you gotta imagine this is this is like black friday times a hundred all right you know so just 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 throwing it out there all right until then that was movie tuesday now it's just another day I'm out this bitch. Just another day. Another day till I hit the movies. I hit the movies, then I talk about them. When I talk about them, that's a movie Tuesday. Blockbusters, I'ma check them out. Audi flicks, I'ma hit them up. You got opinions and I got opinions. What they got in common, they don't give a fuck.